The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Wednesday Road Show back here at the club, Indian Creek Golf Course, as the Pinnacle Bank Championship commences tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday here uh, in Elkhorn. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Great to have you in as we'll dive into plenty of football thoughts, some topics du jour, little mini emergency in the Schmidt household to tell you about or uh, more so on the road versus the household. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240. could also uh, find us on the stream and stream yard with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, just put that in the computer and watch away. can comment on the stream yard uh, comment section there. Also on Twitter at Hale Varsity uh, Radio, at H Varsity Radio, where you can follow and uh, play along there. You can find my Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And for Connor Clark, we'll say it slowly so you can write it down at C underscore Clark underscore 27. We are perched up here right around hole number 17. Again, caddy corner from the Patron zone. And uh, just behind us will be food and drinks galore. Uh, all tournament long here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. I'm staring at several signs in front of me. When you visit the Herd at Tent on hole 17 during the Pinnacle Bank Championship, you can enter and you can win $10,000. 10G if someone goes ace. And that has happened before in golf tournaments. That has happened before at pro-ams or just incredible fundraising events. There's a gorgeous red Corvette when you walk in here to the uh, the Players Club. And we have not had a chance yet to, to take that thing for a spin. I tried. I Shockingly tried. enough. I brought my coat hanger along to try to wedge it in there. and <laughs> that was, They're not going to let you anywhere near that thing while you guys are out there. That, that was frowned that. upon with, with Elijah saying... Huh, watch this. <laughs> He's trying to open. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I, I, uh, never mind. I'm not going to make the joke I was going to make. <laughs> what? I've, I've had some practice with the old coat hanger. Look at you. And it's not, not in stealing a car since. It's just we had just some crappy lo- old cars, and my brother, and, he, and he was the king of keys. losing his keys. Right. You lock, yeah, you weren't trying to take someone's discman back in the day. You were just trying to, to, to help your brother out. But what, I, what I've learned is a lot of those new cars now have – like theft prevention things in the win- in the window, so you can't shimmy a coat hanger up in there. Uh, so it, it's a it's a useful skill to have in life. I, I'll give you that. But the Corvette, no chance. Elijah says he was trying to, to unlock the uh, the keys that were locked in his brother's car. Yet he was wearing black leather gloves uh, and, <laughs> a had a, and had a ski mask. I mean, fingerprints at the scene, and he was ready to hotwire that bad boy. I want to shout out Jake Whitefoot. Big Jake, you're the man. You already know that as he was there to, to teach Junior how to change a tire. I've had many failures as a father. Auto Tech is among high on the list. 
Junior's bopping around in a car he complains about because he's a teenager. And Pop goes to the tire, blows out. And uh, now he's on his donut, and the car that does not speed speeds even less. Uh, he, his goal in life is to inundate our text line with the Schmidt phones uh, about seven times a day with Audi pictures. Uh, he still does that. Uh, but now I'm glad he's safe and sound. I got uh, to talk with him and, and, and Mama Bunny, and he's fine. But uh, Jake Whitefoot, God love you. I'm buying you a beer later. And... Uh, that is uh, not negotiable. Thank you for and, helping Junior out. And that is a good skill in life, though, to have as a 16, almost 17-year-old now, to know how to change a tire. I can't tell you how thankful I am that I popped a tire when I was 16 because my Chevy Impala, I love the car. It's reliable. Schmidt, we rode it up in mm-hmm. it today. It's got a good speaker system. It rides smooth, good fuel economy. It's one fault is that I have popped, I think, five tires in seven years on that Impala. And it's not hitting curbs. It's not nothing like that. They go flat. And the the worst experience I ever had was as an 18-year-old fresh out of high school, me and my buddies are driving to Denver going to a a Kendrick Lamar show. Mm. And about an hour and a half, maybe two hours outside Lincoln, uh, would have been about an hour and a half, uh, we pop a tire on the interstate. Mm. And there is no more nerve-wracking experience than changing a tire on the side of the interstate with semis rolling by. It, it was just zoom it. Was the weather decent at least? Weather was decent. It was summertime, but like we're on the uh, you know the, the right shoulder, changing a back left tire while oh. semis are zooming by. No fun whatsoever. And then the uh, the the donut is capped at forty five miles per hour. So once you finally get it changed, I'm driving forty five miles an hour down the interstate trying to make it to Grand Island to the nearest tire shop to get a tire. And luckily they had the tire in stock. They got it changed out for us quickly we made the trip to denver we were there in, in reasonable time that was a terrifying experience but i'm glad it wasn't my first time ever changing a tire being in that experience yeah. so if there's any positive to look at from this situation with your son today it's that he now knows how to change a tire he knows the star pattern you gotta hit and whenever it happens to him in a, in a possibly worse circumstance where there's nobody around to help him out he's gonna know how to do it now do you guys ever have a a this was kind of a road trip from hell for you to a concert what about a road trip from hell going to a road football game going to denver or kansas city or that that road uh, show to colorado all my road trips forever and ever uh, whether it be down to, to arrowhead for the oklahoma state nebraska game many moons ago or to boulder uh, a handful of times it's always been a smooth trip to norman uh, Ireland, uh, we didn't drive, obviously, uh, thank God, because <laughs> a little different over there. But I, I you know, I'm, I'm knocking on wood, uh, even in, even to Minneapolis. Uh, that that was either we went with Searles one time, and then with uh, with Dolman the other time, and so far so good for me. Now, uh, I had a tire blowout literally like two blocks from my house. I had a, I had a Ford Ranger way back in the day. It was rear wheel when it, we had studded tires, but it still we were stuck on ice and it, it you tried to keep doing the wrong thing and, and get out of, of being stuck and it melted the tire. So we had to call AAA uh, and then we shuffled all, all the way home in, in sub-zero temperatures. I, but, I got two actually. I got two road trips from hell here. One is uh, Scott Frost's first year, so 2018. Me and my buddy Josh and his uncle are uh, headed up to Wisconsin for that football game. And we wanted to go see Bryson as well because mm-hmm. uh, we played with him in high school. Yeah, so it yeah. was going to be a good trip. And about halfway there on the way up, the, the Apple Maps first off takes us off interstate. So we're going through like 
back highways in Wisconsin trying to get up there and about halfway through with his uncle in the back seat who was a little out there. He was like smoking cigarettes with the windows up the entire way. Oh, like no. that was fun. And then, serial killer scene. <laughs> and then the sensor for his emergency brake goes bad. So it thinks the emergency brake is engaged while we're driving down the highway. And if you know anything about cars, it's not going to be very happy about that situation. So we have a loud alarm blaring at us the entire way there. We get up there. It's a Saturday night. We can't find anywhere uh, in his Audi that is authorized to work on Audis and fix it. So then we have to make the entire drive back from Wisconsin the next day. Seven hours in a car all the way back. So that's one. The other one would be whenever my dad crashed on the interstate at my brother going to headed home from my brother's high school football game. Crashed? Yeah, we crashed on the interstate because I fell asleep in the passenger seat, which was fine until he fell asleep in the driver's seat. Well, yeah. And we end up, I wake up to us fishtailing all over the interstate about 20 minutes outside Lincoln. Fishtailing all over the interstate, we end up in a ditch. And uh, luckily, I mean, the only thing that happened, we we knocked out a, uh, a headlight. That was the only thing that happened because we went through a fence off the interstate. Like, oh, we were moving geez. fast. Probably lucky to be alive. I still give my dad hell about this. And we reverse it back out onto the interstate. We finish the drive home, both adrenaline rushing. And on the way into Lincoln, we see fire trucks and ambulances rushing out past uh, us. And we, we kind of make the joke, oh, I hope those weren't coming for us. And then we learn a couple weeks later from our neighbor whose son's a dispatcher. Because um, we, we told him about the story, and he asked his, his son who was dispatching, and his son actually took the call that night for a car going off the interstate. And what happened was, is we were right at the interchange between, uh, I believe it was York and uh, Lincoln, for mm-hmm. in terms of what what service got called. So the people that pulled off and like made sure we were okay, their call went to York, who then called off their uh, their search. But the people that drove past us that continued calling, their call went to Lincoln. And it never got called off. So, so the, they're searching for you as you're driving by. So how it was told to us was that these ambulances and fire trucks were searching for us for an hour before they finally oh called goodness. off the search and said, we can't find these guys. Jeez. We were A-OK. And uh, that's that was probably the closest I've ever been to death in my life. Uh, Elijah wins. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. That sounds a lot like my whole car debacle. Oh, yeah. yeah you yeah, flipped yeah, a car yeah, on yeah, the interstate. You, you rolled it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think... I at least contend for first place in that day. Well, to tell us the, tell us the story. Flipping your car on the interstate. Well, I mean, you know, it was decided to start sleeting in Waverly when I'm driving back from Chicago. So we got about s- seven hours and twenty minutes down in this road trip, and then all of a sudden, because I left early to try and beat this storm, and it starts sleeting in Waverly, and I go up over a bridge by exit 409. For anybody listening that knows where that is. And then all of a sudden, I tap the brake to go down into the left, into the turn. No traction whatsoever because there's two inches of sleet on the road. And we, well, we being me, spin from the left lane all the way across off the right side of the interstate. Tried to keep it up on like that plateau, I guess, on the right side. And then too much momentum took me over the edge. And that's all she wrote. Flipped over a, a Ford Focus there. So that was an experience. And you rubbed some dirt on it and walked away. I did. Because you can I flex. I was in my apartment an hour and a half later. <laughs> uh, last part of this before we get to some football. On the way back from Norman, the trip to Norman, Oklahoma in 2021. Ah, uh, great trip. Great, awesome trip. Tight ball game. Nebraska, Oklahoma. Barry's down there. Boz is down there. And 
the infamous scooter ride with Elijah driving. I'm on his back like I'm C-3PO <laughs> behind Chewie. I've heard so many stories as, about As we're this. going to Lloyd Noble Center, 17 years away from the football stadium to do the postgame show. So we wrap up the postgame show. We get an Uncle Andy's RV. Inside is immaculate. Outside, it looks like you can buy the blue meth from it. <laughs> and as we're driving towards Kansas... The locked part of the RV, because when you park it, it can widen out. Right. And the left part where I was sitting on the couch came un- unhinged, where it was drifting into the oncoming oh, no. lane of, <laughs> of opposite traffic. <laughs> Uncle Andy's motoring, he's driving, <laughs> we're still pissed about the game. Or at least he is. I said, hey, it's a good ball game. The rest played well. And, and he's like, Chris, I can't see you in my, my rear view now. What's going on? He's like, oh, bleep. The, the left side of the RV is now drifting and come unlocked. And that left side that kicks out when it's parked is in the oncoming lane. Oh, so we pull over to the, uh, the rest area. Got that fixed, and away we went. Moral of the story, all three of us probably lucky to be alive with some of these stories we told yeah. today. So if you're in traffic right now, if you're driving home while listening to us, be careful out there because it could happen to you too. So Nebraska football, we got the update from Coach Rule, Coach Riola yesterday. We'll talk with Mike Babcock here in about five minutes, get his take on uh, the week that's been in camp week two. They're still dormant. It. They're still getting through the grind as uh, you inch closer to prep time for Minnesota. Uh, also, Evan Bland with us in hour two. Brad Edwards going to talk some college football as well. Four eight nine twelve forty. So Nebraska needs what? Dot dot dot. Fill in the blank. Nebraska football needs what? Obvious first answer for me: wins. Mm-hmm. Right? How do wins happen? Well. Do they have a couple of those tough guys on the team? Guys that Tony Davis would say you need to lock them up six days a week and let them out on Saturday? Uh, Do you have a difference maker, a game breaker? Possibly. We don't know yet. We like what we see with some past film with the portal. And then uh, lastly, from a coaching standpoint, Nebraska needs coaching, needs strategy, needs that difference maker either from a a development standpoint or a motivational standpoint guys out of those words i've used i've talked about confidence is also in other words nebraska needs what dot 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 for 2023 this football season you know i i think i can kind of focus in on that that strategy slash motivation part i think if Nebraska is to get bowl eligible this year, a big reason why will be quarterback play and offensive line play, but more so the work that rules had this team put in to get better, to get not only fundamentally better, but mentally better. And then presumably that turns into the, to the wins part of things. My thing is just, can you find one big-time player on this roster? Can you find one player in a big-time moment that's going to step up and make a big-time play? You look through the history of Nebraska football, and I'm going to 
bring a couple games as an example. That Northwestern game, the Hail Mary game. Mm-hmm. Who's making a big-time play? It's Amir Abdullah on fourth down, making the extra effort to get yourself a new set of downs and give yourself a chance of that Hail Mary in the first place. Go back to the 9 season. It's Sue making plays all over the place on defense, giving your subpar offense short fields chances to go make plays. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, to me, who on this Husker team not even just offensively or defensively, is there just one guy overall that whenever the game gets tight in the fourth quarter, you can count on them in that big-time moment, they're going to go make a big-time play. They're going to go get an interception. They're going to go force a fumble. If it's Jeff Sims, he's going to go make a throw on third down that is going to keep you in a football game, get you a new set of downs, and allow you to continue a drive. Who is that person going to be? And we're going to get into the Manziel documentary. He made plenty of those in his career (laughs) at Texas A&M. Is there a player like that on Nebraska's roster right now? Is there a Johnny Football (laughs) <laughs> on Nebraska's roster, 489-1240. God, I hope not. Mike Badcock's on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time, Hale Varsity Radio. Roadshow Wednesday here at uh, Pinnacle Bank Championship, the club at Indian Creek. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock. Follow him on Twitter at MDBabs. Plenty of comments in with your answers on what Nebraska needs in 2023, dot, dot, dot. We'll continue this fill-in-the-blank. Mike, we'll turn it to you, my friend. Thanks for the time as you're hunkered down in the football office and interested to get your gauge on this and do you have a road trip from hell story maybe you do uh no but i've been listening to you guys and i'm afraid to get into my 2006 falling apart saturn view um, <laughs> because of the potential for something bad to happen we have set the tone uh, whenever i have a flat tire i just call the uh 800 number that comes with the insurance and sure out they come and take care of it well, so, Mike, uh, you uh, might no, be concerned I about... Any, I don't have any bad uh, road trips in, uh, for Husker football. Um, as we've talked before, the, the bad road trip begins once you get to Boulder, Colorado, if you've got a Nebraska license plate. That's what. That's where things begin to, to get a little bit out of control. But uh, if you are reasonable and rent a, a car with a a non-Nebraska license plate, you're good to go to Boulder. I wouldn't call the fans exactly uh, welcoming, but if they don't know you're from Nebraska, it's, it's better than... So Illinois do. is okay. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Well, the, the concern to me, Connor, is that we've gone through our road trip horror stories, and Schmidt and I have a trip back to Lincoln coming up in about two hours. So <laughs> We're going we're gonna to nurse that yeah. thing back. <laughs> the, the other answer is to just get a, a Buffs bumper sticker or a Coach Prime bumper sticker and put it up in, in your, your back window. See, here's the thing. I've been trying to figure out, my cousin is going to be a freshman at Boulder mm-hmm. coming up here this fall. and I'm they're, trying, all fr- they're all freshmen at Boulder. Well, I'm trying to figure out how I can get her beat up by Colorado fans. I'm, I think I get, the, I get the car paint, and I think I write Go Big Red on her car in big letters oh, and yeah. see what happens. Because she's got the Colorado plates on there, but at the same time, your cousin does Husker Sports Media. Like, you have to have some part of like don't, appreciation don't, don't in your heart subject her to that mike <laughs> what what do you think uh, with the nebraska needs what well uh, i give the same answer every time i think it comes up but uh, an offensive line that uh, will allow the offense to you know the quarterback the running backs the receivers the tight ends to get the get the job done and i think that uh 
even though uh, Teddy Prohaska is hurt again, um, if they can get him back. I think they, you know, I think ideally in the offensive line, if you've got uh, eight guys that you can count on so that you can rotate guys in there, um, that's a good thing. I think right now, without Teddy, I think they've probably got seven. Um, and, and I think that's important. To, you, at least you have a, a third tackle and a third guard. Uh, I think they've I think they've got that, uh, and uh, that's how that's how you make it. Now, Sims is is probably the guy that uh, is going to be the, the the playmaker if if you have the opportunity that the line gives you. Um, I really think that's the thing that you have to you have to count on because of his ability to run the ball as well as throw it. Um, is going to give Nebraska an, an advantage in a conference that depends on the run. Uh, you know, Nebraska seems committed to the run from everything we've heard so far. It's Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, whenever you look at that offensive line, we, we, we've talked about the injuries, especially to Teddy Prohaska yesterday on this show, and there might be some, some youthful faces that need to step up and get the job done. Whenever you, you talk about that rushing attack as a whole, do you feel like there was too much put into the offensive line's role? Because the offensive line clearly is going to be important in the rushing attack, but in years past, uh, I feel like you also have the, the factor of Anthony Grant trying to, to, to bust some things outside whenever he probably shouldn't have. And, and then you go back a couple of years, it's Adrian Martinez being your leading rusher year in, year out. There was a lot of pressure on that offensive line to make things happen. Do you think some of that pressure that, that is on the offensive line this year should truthfully be on the guys that are going to be toting the rock, Jeff Sims and the running backs? Oh, yeah, there's responsibility. There's no question. But you got, you've got to have that offensive line, the physicality up front to start with. And then you have to have – the guys that are handling the ball have to make good decisions. You know, have to be able to read where there's opportunity and make those decisions. And you know, this has always impressed me um, that uh, a guy like Amir Abdullah, um, you talk about, or, or uh, Rex Burkhead uh, recently, or whatever. Um, not not that reason, but um, you know, the ability to make those decisions quickly and see where there are opportunities to. Uh, where, where a hole opens up or where you can get some uh, four or five yards, you know, four or five yards, four or five yards. Um, and you get that, and then all of a sudden things open up and you can break a long run or you can hit the pass. You can hit that tight end. There are a lot of things that can happen if you do that. But you have to be able to, to read and respond, read and react. And I think that that's been an emphasis, and I think that we're going to see some of that uh, uh, right away. I think the word that I would say to complete that phrase would be, I think Nebraska football needs culture. And not fan-based culture, but culture within the team. Your thoughts on that, Mike? I think I think they're going to have it, Connor, because I think, uh, as silly as it may sound, this whole thing with Selleck, you know, the team staying there together and being a little uncomfortable in some situations, I think, for the bigger guys, for sure. I think that that's part of a team building thing. I think team building has been something that's been a priority since Rule and his staff got here. And the demands that Rule has placed not only on his players, but on the coaches to create that kind of uh, team unity is gonna pay off from that sense. I think you're gonna have that culture and I think players are gonna buy in 
And Rule basically has said as much. You know, he's going to put the guys out there that have bought in, that are part of the system, that are willing to do the job, not necessarily the the uh, four-star recruits, you know, not the uh, when it comes game time, it's the guys that fit in uh, with each other, with the culture that's being established here. Mike Babcock with us, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Wednesday out here at the club at Indian Creek. Pinnacle Bank Championship tomorrow gets underway. Pro-Am was yesterday. Make that Pro-Am today. You have uh, practice rounds we were able to be a part of yesterday, and we're talking some projections for Nebraska in 2023. I like the culture comment, Connor. I like what you said about get, get me that playmaker. When Nebraska was knocking on that door, Mike, about a decade ago, there was consistency. And folks remember the roar from a Janovich touchdown run. Folks remember a, uh, for PlayStation fans, the R1 button Rex Burkhead pulled out uh, against Ohio State. And that was tweeted out by the Big Ten today, 22 days till kickoff for Nebraska, where he was able to complete that comeback on a little check down from T-Magic to, to Rex. Uh, Amir had more Superman moments than most. And then, of course, the Randy Gregory's, Susan Davids. Those were the difference makers. Is there a guy on, on defense? I know we talk about Sims and, that, and him being a good wild card for Nebraska. Uh, with, with Listen, the last few years it's been a, a offense based around your quarterback. The offense needs to be based around the offensive line, and, and that's going to be your, your choo-choo train. Defensively, though, is there a guy that you like on this roster that you think can be one of those difference makers? Um, from what the coaches have said and, you know, how he's been described, I think Luke Gifford can be that kind of a guy because of his versatility where he can play and his ability to lead, you know, his leadership. And, uh, you know, a lot of good things were said about him, uh, uh, yesterday. And a lot of good things have been said about him as, as uh, fall camp has gone on, I think Luke Gifford can be one of those guys. And I think up front, I think Ty Robinson can probably be, be one of those guys because he's a, he's got that leadership ability as well. And uh, he, he's a very physical player, um, which you need. But Gifford would be my first, uh, first choice in, a, in a response to that question. Offensively, where do you go there? Because I think the obvious answer is you go to the quarterback and you, and you go to Jeff Sims. But whenever you, you think about Sims and his time at Georgia Tech, you, you do worry about the turnovers. And in a big-time moment, you don't want your quarterback to be turning the ball over. So do you go to a name like Billy Kemp, to, to Fedoni, to your running backs? Where do you go offensively to find a playmaker outside of Jeff Sims? Because that, that's what I think the Husker offense right now, its main concern is, is, you know what, if you can contain the quarterback in the quarterback run, keep him in the pocket, force him to beat you with his arm, where do the playmakers come from offensively? First of all, did I say Luke Gifford or Isaac Gifford? You said Luke, you but said, I knew what you meant. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that'd be good. You know, he could yeah. be, Let's get an NFL player back here, sure. <laughs> I, meant, I meant Isaac. I'm no, sorry. you're good. Just, you're good. Uh, but, uh, you know, in, in, in response to your question, I, th- I think – I think Kemp is going to be one of those guys that's going to step up. You know, I think he's got, he's got the ability 
to do those kinds of things. One guy that that I would say in that capacity, the versatility, the ability to do a variety of things, um, never, doesn't get talked about a lot, probably not going to be a starter, but Ramirez Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a guy that can do uh, – he, he can run the ball. He's physical enough. He's not a big guy, but he can run the ball with the physicality that they want. He can play on the outside. He can be a receiver. He can do multiple things. So um, I'm probably uh, picking a guy that's not, as I said, not going to be a starter. But I think that he's the kind of guy that uh, that can do some things for you in certain situations, a spot kind of a guy that is important to what Nebraska wants to get done. And I think I got his first name right. You did. Um, it's Mike, it's Mike Babcock. No, you're good. Mike <laughs> Babcock joins us. Mr. Husker Football, you follow him on Twitter at MDBabs. And Mike, will uh, gear up another week closer to Minnesota next week. We'll chat then, and we'll see you at, uh, at post-practice on Friday. How's that sound? Thanks, guys. I'm going to study up on first name. You're good, uh, bud. You're good. Appreciate it. I'm just happy Babbers and all his trips and times to the Big 8, the Big 12, the Big 10, that there's been no road issues. But he's not wrong to be uh, a little concerned about taking, taking that Nebraska license plate uh, out of Boulder. I think you're talking about the self-jinx because I am a little bit concerned about that right now. I do have to get back to Lincoln tonight. We'll, we'll be okay. Some of your comments next. What Northwestern do today to tick off their AD? Hale Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out, Hale Varsity Radio, here at the Players Club, Indian Creek. Just incredible setup. The Pinnacle Bank Golf Championship commences tomorrow. Your chance to win ten thousand dollars. Get signed up on hole seventeen if there's a hole in one. But get here and log on, Pinnacle Bank championship.com get your passes to get here we're near the patron zone that's going to be all sorts of wild and dare i say refreshing uh when we talk about being at a live uh, pro golf event it's uh fantastic pro-am going on today chris schmidt elijah herbal on site connor clark uh, it's not quite chained to the studio, but there is a device on his ankle. Mm-hmm. So he is, uh, been, yes. he, is, he is back He's back in Lincoln. We were talking about Nebraska needs what, and we have gone through it uh, quite a bit here at the first 45 minutes of the show. Time to get to some of your comments. Thanks for chiming in on the stream. Can do so, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. But as we uh, look at it here, Husker David says Nebraska needs Aggression, nothing dirty, but something like Sue running. Not nothing dirty, Sue. Something, something like Sue running down the quarterback like a pit bull every possession. Speed and aggressive uh, aggression. Aggressiveness is a is a good trait to have. A good word to use for twenty twenty three. And and with what David says, nothing dirty. I think if you're even towing the line of dirtiness just a little bit, that's how the game of football is the played, whistles especially echo. in the Big Ten. I, I'm not saying Texas A&M bottom, bottom of the pile. Right. You don't need to necessarily go that far. But at the same time, 
there's a couple personal fouls, some unnecessary roughnesses this year. I don't think Husker fans are going to bemoan it. I mean, when Anthony Grant knocked a dude unconscious near the sideline against Rutgers last year, I don't think Husker fans went, whoa, that was a little bit too aggressive. That was a hard physical play, and, and the defensive back for Rutgers made a bad decision. He made a bad decision to pull off, yeah, and then Anthony Grant kind of went high on him. And, yeah, it's, 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 it's not a defenseless player. It's not going to be that penalty. But that's what I'm saying whenever I'm talking about towing the line of being dirty. When you see a guy pull off of you, I don't think you need to go lower the shoulder into the head in the game of football, but you're towing that line just a little bit. Nebraska needs that aggression. I like what he has to say there. Let's go to the phones. Pete with us here on Hale Varsity. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for calling. How are you doing today? Good, man. What do you know? I guess, in my opinion, I think on defense, it's going to boil down to how comfortable they feel in this defense and how well they learn it. I think we have talent on defense. It's going to be a matter of getting adjusted to a new defense on the three-three-five, and I think on offense success will be how well they can run the ball. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree with the run game being paramount, comfort and understanding. Uh, you have that. Pete, thanks for the phone call. You get that, guys. You can play fast. That's also been uh, something that Nebraska. They need to be fast, faster. Uh, goes into the aggressive comment that uh, Oscar David had. Uh, Moonbot7 chimes in on the stream as well. On D, I think Nash and Sherman will both show out. O will have Sims and Billy the Kid to lead on. Those are kind of the four guys. Uh, not bad picks at all, Moonbot. I, I think have that difference maker. A lot of good things can happen on the way to seven, eight, nine wins or more if Nebraska can get that done this year that's very lofty but you, d- you just don't know you don't know uh where this will shake out it's okay to be a little concerned i know we talked to mitch sherman yesterday but he didn't have nuri practicing yesterday you, you don't have uh, teddy practicing so right now you've got turner presumably working at left tackle you've got piper and lutowski at the guards you still got scott you still got bryce at that right tackle spot, but who's behind them? <laughs> and you talk about finding five and, and making that five look at seven and that seven maybe to be turning into eight. Still time, but guys, time winding down here before Minnesota. I just don't like the idea of, of not having, and I'm not saying you won't, but right now, okay, if you don't have Teddy, you, you, you'll you'll have Turner at the left spot, but you got to have Nuri on that line this year. Mm-hmm. Well, I think another thing that we could talk about, too, with this team about what they need is kind of a sense of urgency to a certain extent because, obviously, it's year one under a new coaching staff, and ob- that will skew kind of the projections and the expectations a little bit, but this is the last year of the divisions, as we've talked about over the summer, so... There's kind of that sense of urgency, I feel, before you start adding four more new teams and then you go divisionless. It's going to be that much harder to try and get yourself into Indianapolis or wherever this thing's going to be hosted now in the, in the years to come. But I, I think there has to be a little bit of a sense of urgency to just see that improvement. Now, is that going to translate into eight wins? Probably not. But as long as you see that and you see kind of the aggression as we've talked about the culture coming into play and then that sense of urgency in between the lines i think that could go a long way in year one and there's two ways you can look at this conversation it could be anti-kool-aid because basically from from fleshing this out 
oh, what does a former 3-9 or 4-8 and football team need to get better at? It's a hell of a lot of things if you want to get to bowl eligible and get to a point of, of relevancy. I mean, we've listed off they need a playmaker. They need more aggression. They need to play with a sense of urgency. They need better line play. Like, there's a lot of things this team needs in order to make that jump. But as we've kind of laid out here, there's candidates – everywhere for those things. If Nebraska gets better line play, where can you turn to? A transfer in Ben Scott, the development of Coach Donnie Riola, and some more time to be able to gel in this offense with your running backs. There's possibilities there. In terms of playmakers, you have guys we've listed on both sides of the ball. Sims, uh, you have Billy Kemp. Defensively, you have Sherman, you have Nash, you have Gifford. There's possibilities of guys that can step up and be that playmaker in a big-time role. In terms of urgency, that's what we've heard all spring, summer, and fall from Matt Rule, essentially, uh, just not to put words into his mouth, but whatever he talks about the development and getting things right, it, there's that sense of urgency from him in terms of we're going to do things the right way. If you're not with us, you're against us, and you're not going to be with the program anymore. Whenever you kind of look at the Miles Farmer situation, how the spring started with Anthony Grant, we're not going to sit here and say, well, you're really talented so we'll put up with you not being in line with the team here because we think you're good at football no there's that sense of urgency that we need to get this culture right first because that's the first step to to building a winning football program we're not going to take shortcuts with that right now we're not going to make any exceptions right now there's reasons for optimism in all these categories it's a question of can that optimism be well founded and is there actual results whenever you look there once uh, august 31st and the rest of the season rolls around can guys actually step up in the way that we think that they possibly can? This program's been better than five and seven, three and nine, four and eight. But there, there's a hell of a lot that needs to get done in order to take it over the, the, the next step and get sure. a dual eligible. Can you, can you be in, in the top half of the Big Ten? Your, your final season to get into a bowl game? Can you be in the top half of the new Big Ten? All right, so you're not a playoff team, but you're not far away uh, based on your your ability your playmakers all those things we've touched on and the the urgency part that is going to be the guy driving the the old chuck wagon on that is ty robinson he's been here too long he's been through too much along with reimer uh, along with henrich and even gifford you've got guys that that are going into it feels like year 18 with no postseason with no winning season with no 500 season and and they're one of the temperature setters right and and rule talked about that yesterday guys that are doing it for the coach that player led part we'll wind down hour one hail varsity continues presented by currency and now and now back to hail varsity radio Hour two on the way here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship, the club at Indian Creek. Opening round tomorrow, back here tomorrow and Friday with Hale Varsity. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Reminder about buckling up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink, don't drive? A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Guys, uh, we'll spend some time with Evan Bland, dive into the 10-game conference schedule. Also some thoughts on names that are being talked about, but they're not primary role guys yet. Nebraska will need that depth to step up in game one, presumably, and uh, give them a fighting chance against Minnesota. So Evan Bland in 10 minutes. Brad Edwards, college football insider, his take on the Big Red for 2023 so northwestern 
uh, a fashion statement today. Several members of the football team wearing T-shirts and then tweeting out a group of them together wearing T-shirts, Cats Against the World. Mm. And uh, that did not go over well with the Northwestern athletic director. Shockingly enough, he didn't know they had these T-shirts. Well, Didn't know what was going on. And to add to that, Pat Fitzgerald's old number was also located on the shirts yes. with 51. Yep. 51. Cats Against the World. Uh, inappropriate, offensive, tone-deaf words of admonishment by A.D. Derek Greggs. Disappointment in the shirts. Neither I nor the university were aware they owned these shirts or were wearing these shirts. It doesn't seem like they're aware of anything over there. Now, players uh, spoke to the media for the first time today. Gallagher, the stud linebacker, Bryce Gallagher, says, look, we're not going to dive into hazing or past allegations. You still have defensive back coach Matt McPherson being investigated, but he's uh, on the field, been named in in some of the lawsuits, 14 former Northwestern players with a lawsuit, but nobody currently on the team with a pending lawsuit. But Coach Braun, the interim, hey, it's not my job to limit freedom of speech, <laughs> which was which was his response. And you know what? This team's already been through hell. And if they can muster a competitive season after the last two they've had, because they have some good football players on, on the Northwestern roster. And, and I think Coach Braun's a, a really talented coach from North Dakota State. We'll see how things uh, weather out. We'll see what the emotion can do for them against Rutgers September 3rd. And I think with these T-shirts, two things. First off, him saying, well, it's not my job to, to limit freedom of speech. Well, that was kind of the coaching staff's opinion in terms of what was going on in the locker room, too. Not my job to monitor what goes on in there, allegedly. It's their locker room. So there's a problem. But I think the, the, the Northwestern Athletic Department, the powers that be over there, this should be a sign that, like, everybody knows how poorly you've handled this. The team also thinks so. Whenever it's cats against the world, you're included in that statement. You're part of the world. You're part of the world because of how you've handled this entire thing. Maybe instead of admonishing, saying, hey, maybe we should dive into this, go talk to the football team and see why they feel this way and see what we can do to fix this. This is a message not only to the rest of the world, but also to you. Well, Greg's maybe should get in front of a camera instead of sending out a statement. Hour two is on the way. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. Back into it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're here on hole number 17 at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. That starts tomorrow. The Pro-Am today, 17 right next to the Patron Zone. And uh, the club here at Indian Creek is just beautiful. Tip-top shape. It, it, as you'd expect, it's always one of the best there is in the state, and who emerges Sunday uh, with the uh, the championship. Uh, time will tell. Your chance to win ten grand with the hole-in-one giveaway if someone hits an ace 
here at the Herd at Tent. Elijah, you are not eligible. Connor, you are not eligible. Uh, nor am I. Uh, I don't. I don't know if Evan Bland is eligible, but. He's cheering for an ace, I'm well, sure. Well, and as we were talking about back, way back in the first segment, we can always go black gloves, ski mask, and get that 10,000 one way or another. Wow. Elijah is uh, <laughs> this channeling. This is being recorded. I will clip this. Yes, uh, and we will post. Evan Bland <laughs> has just hung up on us with the Omaha World. Harold at Evan Bland, OWH. Evan, how are we doing? Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and establish plausible deniability on any of that plan. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to come on as a, as an uh, you know uh, innocent witness here. But uh, yeah, how's it going, guys? We're good. Uh, we are set up for uh, just a fun week here at uh, the club at Indian Creek, and Nebraska continues to grind. Evan wanted to start with some football, and we were talking about uh, roadside disasters to start the show because. Junior blew a tire, and uh, Big Jake, dear family friend, was there to be there in need, and uh, things things are okay. Any football road trip horror horror moments? Not horror, but you know, just uh, uncomfortable well, situations. It, it, it's all about being uncomfortable, being comfortable, being un- uh, learning how to be uh, comfortable when you're uncomfortable, per the, the Matt Rule mantra here this, uh, this fall and, and Evan, just to set the scene here, all three of us have at least one near-death experience on a road trip, so you're up against some serious competition. I don't think mine was near-death with the RV. <laughs> it just was uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been doing this for a while. A few stories come to mind. Uh, one was actually a uh, baseball trip in the spring uh, a few years ago. I was in, up in Minnesota, and they were up there, and uh, I, I uh, kind of drifted off the interstate and, and semi totaled my car. Um, oh, no. That was that was an experience. Uh, went to Big Ten Media Days in Chicago like four years ago with a bunch of my World Herald colleagues. Uh, you know, late July, 100 degree temperatures, and the air conditioning was out. Oh. So, so that was that was another one. And then I think probably the one that stands out the most was uh, Penn State back in 2017 going to pittsburgh and then it's a three-hour jaunt through you know foggy mountains in uh late fall just to to get there and to watch saquon barkley run all over uh nebraska at the weaning moments of the mike riley era so those are a few that pop up i mean you kind of get to the point now where you travel and you just hope it's uneventful and then no news is good news but yeah uh there's always something that happens and it never quite goes smoothly and, and yeah we have some stories to tell about it well the the foggy mountain drive to the uh, everyone's nickname state college uh siberia you, you are going to siberia either flying to pittsburgh or baltimore and then you got a roadie there because there's no such thing as convenience in in happy valley and since we've been sitting here schmitty i've thought of one more near-death experience on a road trip this is during my time with husker vision i was traveling with the husker baseball team and they were heading out to iowa city for a weekend series and darren erstad's pregame speech before getting off the bus that was a near-death experience he he (laughs) he got fired up before that one i I, I could see chief doing that and then they they lost game one and darren was so angry that he loaded the whole team up on the team bus and they left without me they left me at the baseball stadium Maybe you that's were. Pretty, that, that's pretty good. And I'll give you one more from last year too. When <laughs> we went to Purdue, uh, first of all, Purdue is, is all is like the Penn State of the West, uh, yeah. where you know you can you can drive like the nine or ten hours, or you can fly into Chicago and still kind of wind your way through. 
but I made the mistake on the way back of plugging in uh, the GPS back to where we were staying, like in, in Peoria. It was a number of hours away. And it took us, you know, as GPSs sometimes do, off the main route in favor of one that was like apparently five minutes faster or something. And we got to the point, I mean, it was late night. That was a late uh, game anyway. It was well after midnight. We were on like one-lane roads in rural Indiana. Um, at, at one point, there was a random railroad going through through the road. And we're going, you know, 60, 65, and actually went airborne uh, briefly on, on, on these, you know, with crops, dark crops on either side, just trying to get back. That was another night where I kind of wondered if that was going to be the end. But, uh, I mean, there's just never a dull moment. Did the Purdue mascot uh, un- <laughs> unveil himself from the corn? <laughs> with that to, creepy to, smile? Just to, to frighten you. I, I would not be here to talk about it if that had happened. That's funny. <laughs> Evan, yeah, you had a really good story today uh, in the World Herald and in the Journal Star about depth and trust, right? Nebraska is going to need some young guys maybe sooner rather than later, at least in lieu of some of the, the walking wounded for Nebraska football. But it sounds like uh, the chemistry part of this equation has been uh, a focal point for Coach Rule. Yeah, it has. And we've seen a lot of the little stuff, you know, whether that's staying in dorms for two weeks, whether that's, uh, you know, not allowing guys to take food boxes to go, but forcing them to kind of stay and, and interact and be together uh, you know, just little stuff, um, you know, greeting each other when Matt Rule comes into a meeting room and just getting to know each other. And I, and I you know, you think about the little things, uh, and there's always a why behind it. And I thought Phelan Stanford, the fifth-year safety at Nebraska, put it pretty well, where he said, you know, there are going to be instances where an older guy is going to go down with an injury, somebody younger is going to step in, and if you don't know your teammates well, if you don't have these moments that you're building now, then, you know, when the bullets are flying in October or whatever, uh, you don't necessarily know how that person's going to respond because you don't know what their personality is. You don't know kind of where they're coming from. And so they're building up a lot of this equity now. And, and it just kind of made me think back to what Matt Rule said last week where he said every year he's been a college head coach, there's been a situation where some guy who has started on the scout team to begin the season was a starter by the end of the year. And usually that comes about through injuries, but it can also come about through just, you know, showing out on the practice squad or behind the scenes, developing things like that. So I I thought that was a a timely story when you consider just some of the little bumps and bruises bruises that Nebraska's uh, piled up here in the second week of camp, you know, especially at, I think receiver uh, has had a number of guys sitting out, but you can kind of look at other positions too and just say, Hey, you know, um, what, what's the confidence level that you have that somebody can step in as needed uh, and perform at a high level for Nebraska. The track record's been there for Matt rule. And I just thought that that was an interesting insight into some of the, you know, relational equity that they're piling up now that that could also factor in later when the season gets going. It's Evan Bland with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, as we're up at the Pinnacle Bank Championship at Indian Creek. Uh, you can join us next couple of days here, 4 to 6. And, Evan, uh, let's let's continue on with this discussion, uh, specifically regarding depth, because this is one area where I think Nebraska is in a different spot in terms of competition than, than Temple and Baylor. Whenever you do talk about young guys stepping up and playing, the Big Ten's a little bit different than, than the AAC and then the Big 12 in that there's old guys just about everywhere in the Big Ten. Rosters get old and stay old in the Big Ten, and, and Matt Rule's not going to have that luxury this season. 
do you worry whenever we hear some of these injuries coming out of fall camp, uh, specifically on that offensive side of the ball with the O-line and the wide receivers, that, that things could get out of hand quickly for this Husker football team fast if some of those young guys go down? And I know Matt Rule and the coaching staff has confidence in these, these young guys to be able to step up, but the Big Ten's a little bit different in that regard. Yeah, it is. I mean, that, I mean, first of all, that's why they're hedging their bets a little bit here and, and giving all those extra reps to the young guys, right? Like, not everybody's doing that where you have 60 players go through a practice and then the coaches stay out there for the other 60 guys who are maybe less experienced. And that's what they're working toward, whether that's, you know, this season, uh, into the future, whatever, that's, that's what they're hoping. But, yeah, I mean, I think it is a reality that there are certain positions where, if Nebraska were to suffer injury, um, there's just no doubt there'd be a drop off. I think quarterback is certainly one where you have Jeff Sims, uh, uniquely talented. I think at the top with his big arm and ability to run. And I know Matt Rule has uh, praised the development of Chubba Purdy here, especially in the last week or so. Um, but but you know that's a spot where you're going to see the difference if you have to go to, to your backup behind Sims. Uh, you know the line I think is kind of interesting too where you've seen a little bit of Henry Latusky's name come up, especially in the wake of, of Teddy Prohaska's injury that puts Turner Corcoran on the outside. And so you might see a guy like Latusky get a little bit more of a look. Um, you know, they like some of their freshmen there. Sam Sledge has come up multiple times. Gunnar Gatula, same sort of deal. But at, at, to your point, that's a big ask, uh, especially as a freshman to be able to hang in the Big Ten with, with guys who are 21 and 22 trying to get to your quarterback. So I think that one's tough. And then receiver's been interesting, too. I mean, Marcus Washington uh, sat out part of the open practice that, that media got to see earlier in the week. Xavier Betts didn't practice that day. Malachi Coleman didn't practice that day. Those are all names that Nebraska fans are pretty familiar with and you would think would be contributors in some fashion this season. And so... What does it look like behind that? I mean, Matt Rules mentioned guys like Alex Bullock, uh, who really hasn't had a chance on offense to show what he can do, or Ty Hahn, uh, you know, who's another sophomore who's been sort of a special teams guy behind the scenes. So uh, I, I think those are the guys that you kind of look at and say, okay, if, you're, if you need them to step in, they're able to do that. But I do think, especially in the short term, it would be disingenuous to say, that you can just go to those guys and there wouldn't be a change or, or drop-off in what you want to do offensively. Evan, I want to go back to the quarterback position and what Matt Rule had to say about Chubba Purdy the other day because we talked about it and said, well, there probably will be, at least based off of past years, where you see a backup quarterback in the game for Nebraska, whether that's just situationally or injury-wise. So what did you make of Matt Rule's comments about Chubba Purdy and how important is it for him and Heinrich Harburg to stay ready? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, to your point, I mean, history at Nebraska, especially in recent years with running quarterbacks, would tell you that uh, injuries are, are going to happen, right? I mean, we saw it with Adrian Martinez. Uh, we saw it with Casey Thompson, certainly, who didn't maybe run to that same extent, but same sort of thing. Tommy Armstrong before that. Taylor Martinez, like, you can just kind of go down the list, and that's uh, that's part of the deal. I mean, if you're going to uh, capitalize and take advantage of that extra runner, um, the drawback is that your quarterback's going to be more exposed to hits and things of that nature. So, you know, I, I thought what Matt Rule said about Purdy was interesting. Um, you know, he's a coach who 
has has a history even just in his time at Nebraska for really uh, stumping for his players and, and and encouraging them and and just kind of I think he understands the weight of of being the head coach and putting those comments out there publicly and what that can do for a guy's confidence. So we'll see what an off season does for Purdy. You know, I, I think it, he's an interesting case because. In some ways, there's a, at least I have kind of a temptation to think of him as an older player, but he's still uh, you know, pretty young into his career. Uh, he had just a short time at Florida State and then uh, you know, had the crash course at Nebraska last year and the, the start at Michigan where they were really outmanned. So you know, I, I do think I mean, he's a guy who was a former four-star. Obviously, his brother's playing in the NFL, so there's ability there. Uh, I think he has the intangibles, too. Um, it's just a different skill set from what Jeff Sims puts out there, I think. So uh, absolutely he has to stay ready. History would say that he'll probably be needed at a key moment in Nebraska's season at some point. Um, you know, if, whether again, whether for injury or whatever else. Um, and so this is the time when you've got to bank those reps, build up that confidence, um, and, and be ready just uh, in case that moment is, is to come here in the near future. Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Give him a follow at Evan Bland OWH. Evan, about 90 seconds here, bud. But is there a player you're circling that, that could be that difference maker? We've spent a lot of time in, in remembrance of, of guys like Amir, guys like Levante David, a guy that just made it happen. Uh, was, was a game wrecker or a difference maker? Is there a candidate for you for Nebraska? Well, offensively, I, I, I'm curious to see what Gabe Urban can do. I okay. think he really reshaped his body. Uh, the, he was one of the biggest spring risers from what the coaches said. He, you know, We haven't seen a ton of what he can do because of injury and, and line ineffectiveness, so that's somebody that I'm fascinated with. I think you could put Jeff Sims in that category, of course, as well. Uh, just, I think there's a high ceiling there based on his ability with his arm and his legs. Um, you know, defensively, it's interesting. Like, there's just kind of this mix of young guys and vets. I do think the middle linebacker group's in for a big season with Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer. Um, but if I'm to maybe point to a spot where it's just like, okay, here's a an unknown that maybe could blow up, I think it would be uh, at those outside backers slash D linemen, the, the MJ Shermans, the Chief Borders, guys who were major recruits at their previous stops who maybe just didn't get the, the extended leash um, for whatever reason. I think those guys have the ability to maybe come on and make their presence felt right away too. Should be interesting getting closer uh, three weeks from tomorrow. It is gopher time. Evan, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Good story, really good insight as to uh, Coach Rule at all three, well, previous two stops anyway, having that walk-on turn into a starter. It, it speaks to development for sure for Nebraska and then a guy that comes in and, and performs at a high level. Yeah, and the question to me, and I think a big difference we talk about some of these younger guys stepping up is, are they going to have to step up game one against Minnesota, or do you have to step up you know, game 11, game 12, once you've already had some months of football under your belt? Are, are you ready? Brad Edwards coming up. We'll hit some college football with Brad Edwards. Hale Varsity continues from the Pinnacle Bank Championship. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. 
Pro-Am going on. We welcome in college football insider Brad Edwards. Brad, good to spend a little time today, and we're in the great outdoors, a little PTSD from errant tee shots for some of us. But, uh, you know, college football's near and dear to all of our hearts, and, hey, it's been an interesting week or so. Uh, Before we talk Nebraska and Big Ten, your uh, reaction to the movement that's happened already and then the thought process of of maybe Cal and Stanford joining the ACC. I know that's been discussed, and we'll see if it follows through. We'll see what what really shakes out. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Um, Historic week. That's really the only way to put it. And yeah, you could argue that um, the teams involved were were probably not going to contend for the national championship, and and some people might dismiss it. The ones that are all playoff focused and all that, but um, man, the idea of you know the Pac-12, Pac-10, as most of us grew up with it, that a conference that is uh, has that much tradition and more than a hundred years old could just basically go away with with very little warning. Um, almost overnight, it's just it's just hard to fathom. And I, I think the the question that I still am stuck with that I haven't found a good answer to yet is why did the Big Ten feel the need to do that? Uh, because you know th- it's pretty much uh, inarguable that th- there were no two conferences in college sports that were connected more than the Big Ten and the Pac-12 just because of the Rose Bowl relationship going back so far. I, I don't, I can't think of any other conferences that really kind of looked out for each other the way that those two have and kind of had common interest is probably the, the, the bigger thing. And, and yet when it came down to it, it seems like the big 10 just completely knowingly put the final nail in the coffin of the PAC 12 because, uh, everything you, you see and, and hear now is that if Oregon and Washington had not left, that group would have been able to stay together. Now, would it have been what it used to be? No, but still um, it wouldn't have been the end of the conference. And knowing that the big 10 already had this mega TV deal in place, everyone was already lined up to get paid. What kind of value did you add? I'm not saying you didn't add two good teams. I, I think you improved the quality of Big Ten football by adding those two programs. But but what did you add financially that made it worth um, not only you know adding these two teams, to, excuse me, these two teams to the conference, um, but along with that to basically kill uh, this conference that you've been aligned with for so long? That's the part that that I'm I'm still waiting on a good answer for. It's Brad Edwards with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brad, when we look back in, in 10 years, are you saying that you think we're going to look back and say it's the Big Ten's fault that the Pac-10 died? I mean, if we're going to be in the business of finger-pointing, where do you think the blame lies for the death of the Pac-10? Oh, I think there's so many choices that they could have made better in the last you know decade plus. I mean, they're, they're obviously um, – you, you, let's, let's just go all the way back to the unbelievable coup that they almost pulled off of, of – killing the big 12, <laughs> you know, back around, I don't remember if that was 2011 or when that was, um, it, it looked like, you know, among others, they were going to bring Oklahoma and Texas into that league, uh, which would have been amazing. And um, apparently it was very close to happening, but it didn't. And, and so you could look at a lot of the decision. Now, like I'm not blaming 
anyone for not being able to pull that off because it was completely improbable, but they came close to it. But you look at from that moment on where they were so close to becoming the first super conference, it seems like almost every decision from that point forward has been the wrong one. And and I, I think there's just been a lot of wait and see. I think there's been too much wait and see as opposed to being aggressive and proactive. And ultimately, um, I mean, if you want to point to the most recent thing that might have, you know, done in the Big Ten, I'm sorry, done in the Pac-12, it wasn't it wasn't what the Big Ten did. That was, like I said, the final nail. Um, but maybe the, the, the last big mistake uh, was allowing the Big 12 to get its TV deal done before and, and, you know, not seizing the opportunity that they had. And, you know, by being the last one uh, in line for a deal, they kind of got shut out. And ultimately, that's what caused uh, Oregon and Washington to want to make that move to the Big Ten is because the money that they felt like they needed just just wasn't going to be there in that in that deal with Apple. Now, going back to the ACC situation, Brad, and potentially adding a Cal or a Stanford, this is something that Elijah and I talked about yesterday on the show. Are those two the best possible options for the ACC, or what do you see happening with the remaining teams left in the Pac-12? So, I mean, th- that one kind of caught me off guard as far as it even being mentioned as a possibility. I I guess I understand why the ACC would at least have a conversation about it. I I don't take it seriously. Like what is, what is the value? If you're going to go cross country, all right, the big 10 picking up USC and UCLA more so just because of USC that, that made sense just because of the value it was going to add financially to the conference. You know, when I look at the ACC and any interest in in Cal and Sanford, um, it really only makes sense from an academic perspective in in that those schools obviously fit what a lot of the schools in the ACC perceive themselves to be academically. Uh, But does that necessarily apply to everyone in that conference? You know, I, I. I think we could look at some of the schools in that league and say, well, they're, they're not necessarily on that level as far as what you would think of as their academic reputation. So from an athletic standpoint, and I look, I guess, I guess if you want to get into the non-football sports, um, you know, Cal and Stanford, especially Stanford, have so many other programs that would, you know, that would contribute really well uh, to, you know, on the field and winning championships and all that stuff. But, but ultimately – all anyone really cares about is football. Football is what's making the money. And I just don't see how either of those is going to give you any value. And it's crazy to, to say this because, I mean, that was um, – and we're, we're about a decade removed from Stanford being so close a number of years to being in that, that national championship game mix, and they never could quite get there. And to think that a decade later – they're completely shut out. I mean, meanwhile, you know, you got Cal and Washington State and Oregon State, which have, you know, had a random season here and there that was good. But for for the most part, over the last 50 years, none of those programs have really done anything in football, nothing significant. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the one play <laughs> that Cal is remembered for. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but outside of, of that, I mean, what can really any of them hang their hats on? And I think that's kind of where we are right now. What is the value in football? Um, and, and none of those four schools really have it at a high level. Brad Edwards with us, college football insider and author at J. Brad Edwards. His book on the Bama dynasty, you need to check that out for your college football reading this fall. Brad, a couple minutes here. I want to get your feel on Nebraska. 
and uh, I'm asking you to get the crystal ball out because I've seen a ton of optimism. Camp sounds great right now, despite some it injury always bug. does, Chris. I know, <laughs> despite some injury bug issues. But uh, big one against Minnesota here in about three weeks. How do you feel about year one of Rule? I know you've covered him quite a bit through your career. Yeah, look, I, 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 I've just gotten to a point now where um, most of these teams in the Big Ten, whatever I think they're going to be preseason, especially in the West, you know, like they, I, they just they just never turn out to be what I expect. And so I figure I got a better chance by not even paying attention and 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 just see who they trot out there at quarterback week one and then just in, and go from there. But no, I, I, I do like the hire of rule and I, I love the, you know, the possibilities for the future. Um, you know, you're well aware because I'm sure you've talked about it ad nauseum, what he's done in his previous stops and how it wasn't always great year one. Um, but, but then by year three, he seemed to have a pretty good thing going. So he, he's good at building the program. Um, but but I, I don't know that I would expect that year one magic at the same time. You know, you look at at the number of, of close games and I, I don't need to remind anyone in your audience, the number of close games Nebraska's lost over the last few years. And, and if you just find a way to win half of the close games, um, it could feel very different than it had in, in recent years without the team necessarily being all that much better. And so I guess that's where I would be optimistic with with Nebraska is that if they can just win a couple of those games, gain some confidence and then build on that, you know, maybe they're not that much better than, you know, most of the teams that are, you know, they're competing against in the Big Ten West. But um, if they can just make another play here or there, I, I, I can see the opportunity for any number of teams in that division, to, you know, to go eight and four or something like that, which. I mean, given where Nebraska's been, um, I, I think you'd take that right now, wouldn't you? I want real quick, Brad, about 90 seconds. Biggest threat to Georgia, is it still Bama? I think so. Um, you know, if Ohio State had a, a, a returning starter at quarterback, we saw what happened in the semifinal last year. And look, I, I it's funny to me to see all the preseason stuff come in and I, I, I get that Michigan has beaten Ohio State two years in a row and that uh, it, it really wasn't even all that competitive either time. Um, at, at the same time, like I just I have a hard time accepting that Michigan's better than Ohio State. And I guess it's because I've, I've watched the recruiting. Uh, and I'm not a big recruiting guy, but um, <laughs> I, I, I still if you're asking me, I'm still taking Ohio State every single year in the Big Ten because I think they have the best players. Um, but but nationally, yeah, I mean, I, I think right there in the SEC is is the biggest threat to Georgia, and that's Alabama. You know, the question is, would Alabama have to beat them twice? You know, would it have to be, you know, knock them off in the SEC and then beat them again in the playoff? Obviously, that two years ago, they – they split meetings and Georgia won the one that mattered, which was the very last one for the national championship. Could we see something like that again? But even though Alabama's in the same boat as Ohio state doesn't have the proven quarterback. If you look at Nick Saban's track record, since he's been there, they have been amazing with a first year starter at quarterback. Um, and I mean, just go back and look at it. I don't have time to get into it right now, no, but fine. for those who are curious, Go back and look at, at Alabama under Nick Saban when they've had a first-year starter at QB and what their records have been, 
And, and I don't think there's any reason to think that Alabama's taken a big step back just because they lost who may have been the best quarterback they've ever had in Bryce Young. Well, his, uh, his quarterback play has been exceptional, and it has been uh, transformative for Bama. They had everything else locked in, and they've been great the last six, seven years with quarterback play. Brad, we'll do this again, my friend, get some college football chat going uh, as the fall continues. Thanks for a few minutes with us. You got it. Good stuff from Brad Edwards as we truck forward at the Pinnacle Bank Championship Pro-Am right now. And uh, the championship starts tomorrow here at the Players Club in Indian Creek. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Wednesday here at the club at Indian Creek. Just ahead of the Pinnacle Bank Championship, a guy that's great uh, with the putter. And really solid off the tee box, Dr. Brandon Seifert. Am I giving you too much credit, Dr. Brandon? You're too kind, fella. You're way too kind. That's <laughs> <laughs> a another Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. And since we're on the course, there's the dreaded uh, Steve Schmidt Miller Light elbow, but I don't know if that qualifies as an injury. But, Dr. Brandon, there, there's a whole host of things you see patients for golf-related, and we talk about overuse in a lot of other sports, golf might be the king of overuse. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So you think about you can kind of run the whole spectrum of injuries when it comes to golf, and we'll try to dial in on a few of those that are probably the most common that we see in the office. Um, you know, as I think about things that do kind of walk in the door most commonly as, as it relates to golf, you know, it's typically either in the elbow, shoulder region would be the most common two areas. Um, we'll start out here with the elbow and even one that's named after golf called golfer's elbow. And essentially what that happens is anatomically, if you think about your elbow, kind of feel along the inside of your elbow's a little bump, kind of your funny bone area. There's a large kind of muscular structure that attaches to that called your flexor pronator. It's on kind of an inside part of the forearm. And so as you think about as you're rotating through with your golf swing, all the force that goes through that area as you kind of pronate through the golf ball, pronate through your swing, as well as kind of pushing that force kind of in a, I don't know call it dorsiflexion force, pushing that wrist forward. And as you do that, you put all that stress on that inside of the elbow and essentially over time create kind of a stretching process. Tendon gets inflamed, not great blood supply in the area, and you kind of develop this basically this chronic process of tendonitis, which names uh, golfer's elbow. The fancy term that we call it is called medial epicondylitis of the elbow. But it's very common. Again, most often that's an injury you can treat with you know, rest, stretching, some therapy, anti-inflammatories, of course. And then that kind of late in the game, not getting better, you can start to think about some of the injection options, one being steroid, two being the PRP, which we've talked about before. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday as we're getting for the getting ready for the Pinnacle Bank Championship. We uh, are talking about some of those commonalities. And, Dr. Brandon, you, you look at what uh, golfers go through and how, how many times have you yourself or how, I guess the better way to say it is how, many, how common are, are interventions? It's one thing to treat. It's one thing to rehab, but sometimes you, you've got to go under the knife. 
Yeah, you know, you t- that's a great question, Chris. You know, how often do we get to kind of next level with the surgical intervention? Fortunately, in this area, very uncommon. I would say probably less than, you know, 5% of the time. And usually it's kind of more in the patient's history. Um, if you have somebody who's just kind of been chronically plagued by this, you know, season after season, uh, there's a potential there that they might have some actual tearing in that uh, where that muscle comes up and attaches tendon via bone. And that might require some fixation, cleanup, debridement, fixation. Um, also, you'll have the occasional kind of traumatic injury where somebody's out golfing and really kind of bring comes through one hard or hits it, uh, hits it fat, digs into the turf. They'll actually feel like a pop on the inside of the elbow. They might actually tear part of that tendon. And that'll take you to that next level of needing surgical fixation. But again, very, very, very rare in those circumstances. You know, probably less than 5% of the time when we see that. You know, Chris, as we move on, you know, from the elbow area, another common area is that front of the shoulder. You know, kind of along that biceps, you think about your biceps muscle on the front forms a big tendon that goes up inside the shoulder. There's actually two tendons, most commonly uh, kind of injured or inflamed tendons that we call the long tendon of the biceps that goes up inside the shoulder joint. Very common to see that, again, more kind of on the tendonitis-type process, doing more, thinking more of a rehab uh, aspect of it. But you obviously can have, you know, substantial tailor if somebody might actually have a rupture of that tendon. Although in a young, healthy patient, I would say exceedingly rare. Typically, we'd see more of a kind of a biceps injury in somebody who's had probably a long-term kind of wear and tear in that area where the tendon just kind of weakens over time and eventually just pops and gives way, whether that's with golf or even some other activity. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here. It's a Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, whenever we, we talk about this surgical intervention, I tend to think of Tiger Woods and his back injuries and the surgeries that were required. I think he got a couple uh, vertebrae in his back fused as a result of those spinal surgeries. And uh, what kind of risk do you run with the back with golf injuries? What type of injuries do you see there? Yeah, it's a really good area to focus on. Uh, we see a lot of injuries there. I would say the most common one uh, would be an area called the sacroiliac joint, basically where that uh, where the spine sacrum joins up with the pelvis. Um, and so what happens in that area, a huge kind of ligamentous uh, construct joining those two major structures together. If you think about all the kind of twisting rotational forces that are going through that area, couple that with kind of an axial load as you're standing and weight bearing, um, that's a significant uh, force generating area. And so they'll, they'll, for, they'll quickly form you know, basically inflammation, tendonitis type picture, a very nagging pain. This would be the pain that's kind of off to the side of your lower lumbar spine, kind of in between basically where the lumbar spine is and the side of your hip would be a good way to describe where this is anatomically. Uh, that's very common, probably one of the more common injuries we'll see in terms of back issues with golf. And I see this a lot. And again, it's really nagging. It's hard to get rid of it. Uh, at least during the season, lots of therapy, lots of stretching, working on your core strengthening. If you go to that next level, kind of talk about, you know, Tiger Woods scenario, you know, more rare to have, you know, substantial lumbar spine trauma where you start to get into either A, some stress fractures in the lumbar spine, uh, maybe some stress fractures in the attachments, we call the pars articularis, even back into the spinous processes where muscles and tendons attach to you. Uh, more rare to see those can happen, especially think about, again, the force being generated, the repetitiveness of golf. Um, we'll see that. In fact, I tend to see the lumbar spine issues, the sacroiliatus issues more in those really high-level, high-volume type of our golfers. You really have to kind of get to that next level of repetitiveness and volume to get there. Of course, if you've had pre-existing you know, spine disease, and it's a different story.
Dr. Brandon, about a minute here, but when it comes to that Tiger Woods back injury and all the nagging injuries that he's had, how much of walking the amount of miles that one does as a pro golfer, how much does that wear and tear on an injury like the back injuries you mentioned? Yeah, it definitely could play a role. Uh, probably not the initial kind of inciting event that gets you there, uh, but more so if you already have some you know, kind of chronic, chronicity of these back injuries starting to develop, doing things that you know exacerbate that area, walking being one of those you know, high volume of walking, walking on uneven terrain, which obviously golf, golf courses are that way, then absolutely that's going to kind of wear you down and kind of weigh at you long term. So Dr. Brandon's advice is uh, get that golf cart rental. <laughs> that's right <laughs> that way you can find the beer cart uh, dr brandon seiberts with us in nebraska orthopedic center a jock doc wednesday out here at the pinnacle bank championship the club at indian creek dr brandon will have to go uh, at least all there's a few golf balls here sometime and go swing them together thanks for a few minutes today sounds great fellas take care Good to spend time with Dr. Brandon as we're winding down a second day here at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Uh, opening round starts tomorrow very early. I think uh, right around 6.45, 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. is the first group. We'll be here Thursday, Friday, 4 to 6 on number 17, right next to the Patron Zone. And your chance to... Win ten grand. We'll tell you how. Next, Hale Varsity continues. You're at the club, Indian Crank P- Pinnacle Bank Championship. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time here at hole number seventeen, Roadshow Wednesday with Hale Varsity. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. The Pinnacle Bank Championship tomorrow. Friday, Saturday, and the conclusion Sunday. What a setup. And uh, get your seats today, PinnacleBankChampionship.com, where you log on, the hole-in-one giveaway. Sign up for your chance at ten grand, And be sure to visit the Herd Ant tent on hole 17. Uh, a chance for you to scan the code for rules and event coverage. What an event it's going to be. We started off talking about, about Nebraska needing what uh, to begin the show. And urgency is a, a good word. <laughs> I think a lot of the guys that have been in the program four or five years won a winning season. There is urgency there. Donald chimes in. How about reducing penalties? Discipline by about half. Be a remarkable improvement. Special teams improvement. Yes, phase three of football. Could possibly uh, make that win total double or jump from what it's been. I think you'll uh, you'll take that depth uh, as certainly something that's been on the mind of many this week. So uh, all good uh, all good things. But uh, difference maker, game wrecker is uh, it'd be fun to see that emerge for Nebraska this year. And Nebraska in the penalty department actually wasn't terrible last year. Last year was a bit of an improvement from years past where. Uh, they only averaged a little over 42 penalty yards a game, which if you can get that down to 20, you're on a, an elite tier if you're only getting penalized for 20 yards a game. But Nebraska's uh, opponents last year actually had more penalties and penalty yardage. Uh, 68 penalties for 638 yards for the opponents. That was about 53 yards per game. As for Nebraska, they had 65 penalties over the course of last year, 510 total yards. That was good for 42.5 yards per game. So Nebraska in the penalty department wasn't terrible last year, but I, I can understand 
uh, why you'd be there after the couple of years before that where the penalty yardage was monumental. Last year was a step forward in that direction. If you can continue that step and cut it down by half, I mean, penalties, you're going to be winning that battle just about every single game if you cut it in half. Guys, you check out uh, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football's doc. Yeah. Yes. I watched it uh, last night as well. And I think, according to the Netflix documentary, Johnny Football made uh, Texas A&M about $37 million in media exposure. And Johnny's down in Scottsdale. That's where a lot of folks want to end up is Scottsdale. Seems to be in a, in a good space, good for him. But, man, you want to talk about the topic of accountability. Uh, he was just doing his thing. Not a lot of checks and balances. A lot of checks. Well, we're sure. <laughs> hey, Grandpa, can I, uh, can I give you some money? Can you write me a check so we can just absolutely stiff arm, his give grandpa, the Heisman to the NCAA? His grandpa is a bleeping G. I yes. yes. <laughs> well, we, and, then, and then how about his his old friend too with the lie of Uncle the century, Na- Uncle Nate? For it's real, a, so believable at Texas A&M. Oh yeah, my family comes from oil money. That's where all this money comes from. Well, I mean, <laughs> like that's like the perfect defense. Nobody could contest it. And I I bought that hook, line, and sinker. I believe we that. all did back then. Until I watched the documentary yesterday, I still assumed Johnny Manziel came from money. Oh, no, turns out he was just making money hand over fist on autographs, which he continued doing after the NCAA investigation. That right there, that's the stuff legends are made of. The fact that you can make that lie and everyone in America buys it hook, line, and sinker, you just go, yeah, makes sense. Well, you had the right talking heads hammer it on ESPN and Fox. You also had the right national columnists buy in. And, I mean, Johnny's family's not poor, but they're not J.R. Ewing. So, guys, be back here tomorrow at 4, Pinnacle Bank Championship, the club at Indian Creek. See you here with Hale Varsity.